You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. Uh, What a privilege it is to worship together with all of you, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and now to to look into God's Word. Uh, I have a question for all of you. Can any of you name a king... Does any, do any of you know the name of a king who has won three Grammy Awards? Anyone? B.B. <laughs> king? Okay. Uh, Carol King? Okay, great. You're on the right track, uh, Deacon Larry. His name is Elvis Presley. And he might have won more than that, but uh, he is known, right, or referred to as what? The king of rock and roll. But did you know that he won three Grammy Awards for gospel music? (laughs) It's interesting, right? But I share this with you because I was reading recently uh, about him. And and if you didn't know, when I attended the great (laughs) Arizona State University, (laughs) I took a whole class about Elvis Presley. It was one of the most difficult classes in my education, I'm being sarcastic. But um, here's something interesting that I read about Elvis Presley. Uh, he was so famous that for three weeks, Elvis's album of greatest hits was the number one album in the nation 25 years after he died. And now, you think about how famous you have to be for your album to be number one 25 years after you have died. But think about his success. And, and according to his friends, I, I read this, Elvis was unfulfilled and he was unhappy. He died of obesity and drug dependency at the age of 42. And there was a quote given by his, his wife, Priscilla, She said this about her late husband. Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason. Maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. So he'd go on stage And he wouldn't have to think about it. When I read that, it shows me that Elvis didn't have a clue where to begin to look for the purpose of life. And even though it's so ironic that he he won awards for gospel music, and yet it's sad to hear that he didn't know God's will for his life. In a sense, it seems that he was lost. You know, and that's why we're looking to God's Word today to find and to see what God says about why He created us, about what God created us to do, God's purpose for your life. 
Because if we believe that God created us, then we need to look to His Word to find out what we were created for. And we all know we were created to point to the greatness of God. And there are so many other things that we can learn from God's Word about His purpose and His will for each one of us. And that's what we've been looking at and studying this past month. And today we continue this study. And we look at yet another purpose, God-given purpose for our lives. And that, if you want to follow along in your outline, if you want to take notes, you're welcome to. Or you can just follow along on the screen. But I pray that you'll open up your Bibles as we look at God's Word and pray and ask God to help you to listen to whatever it is that you're, He's trying to teach you this morning. But this, this fourth purpose that we're focusing in on this morning is the fact that, that you and I, we were created by God to serve. We were created for ministry. That's another word for serving is the word ministry. And I want you to look, I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Now, before I read this, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. You are God Almighty. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. And God, you created us. And God, I thank you that we can gather together to worship you. We can gather together to point to how great you are and, and thank you for the great things that you've done and the things that you are doing, the ways that you've provided for us perfectly. Thank you, God, for how you take care of us. Thank you, God, for your great love. Thank you for the blessed assurance that all of my brothers and sisters in Christ have, those of us who have confessed Jesus as Lord. Thank you, God, for saving us, for saving us from our sin, for the blessed assurance of eternal life with you. And God, I pray right now that as we look to your word, we look to your truth, the truth. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, Open our minds, God, to hear you, to know you more, to know your love. And yet, God, also, as we learn more of you and learn more of your word, I pray, God, that you would lead us to stand firm upon your word, to stand firm upon your promises, and also, God, to be doers of your word. I thank you for each person here, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, right? This letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church written to you and I, given to us by God. It says this, Ephesians chapter 2. One of my favorite passages, part of my, one of my favorite passages, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. But look at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I want you to look and focus in on that part of that truth, the fact that God has created work for you and I to do. And I'm not just talking about your career, but God has prepared good things for you and I to do. God has prepared good things for the, His church, the body of Christ, to do. And He prepared them in advance. He planned for you in advance, even before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God planned and prepared for you. There are specific things that God has called you and I to do. 
And I want to, to also share this passage with you from 2 Corinthians, also another letter written by the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And see, Paul right here, he, he, this is a call right, to be reconciled with God, but it's also reminding us of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Through the shedding of His blood, through the giving of His life, through His death and resurrection, Jesus made our relationship with God right again. Because why? Our relationship with God is severed because of our sin. And yet Jesus, God, because of His great love for us, made a way for us, for our relationship with God to be made right again through sacrificing His one and only Son, Jesus. And see, now that we have been reconciled with God, those of us who put our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ and confess Jesus as Lord, those of us have that testimony to share That we've been saved. That we've been, our relationship has been made right with God. Our sins have been forgiven. And see, now we, as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a ministry. And our ministry is what? A ministry of reconciliation. Did you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, that each one of you, you and I, we are all ministers? I'm not talking about pastors. I'm saying, just as God's Word says here, we all have a ministry. We all have been called to serve in this way, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and to let people know that this is a, is a message and we, of reconciliation of how Jesus came so that we could have a right relationship with God. Each of you have a ministry. God's purpose for you is that you would serve God by serving others. What is ministry? And what am I talking about here? What is God showing us here about ministry? Or My encouragement to you as you consider God's purpose for you to serve, to serve in ministry, to be a minister, is that we would serve God by serving others. That we would know that you and I have been created to serve God by serving others, by serving those around us, by serving our brothers and sisters in Christ and serving those who are not saved. Did you know that each one of us, I, I want you to know, dear friend, dear brother and sister in Christ, each one of us has been shaped by God to serve. And, and yes, there, there's a pastor that made an acronym of this, and I just want to share this with you. But each of us have been shaped by God to serve, right? Formed and planned for and this is just a way, this is just a memory tool and a way for us to practically apply this truth to our lives and, and live out this purpose of our lives. But I want you to consider the word shape. And then you can go to the next slide. Every, every single one of us 
is shaped by God to serve. And when you think about the word shape, you look at the letter S, you can think of the letter S as, as, as reminding us that all of us in Christ have been given spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts that have been given to us, uh, that we have been equipped with by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God that indwells all believers. God has given each one of us as his followers, as Christians, spiritual gifts. And you can think of spiritual gifts as abilities that are given to each of us by the Holy Spirit, by God, upon salvation. And what is the purpose of these spiritual gifts? It's to serve one another and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts. And if you want to write these scripture references down, you can write down Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. You can write down 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Spiritual gifts. God has shaped you. He's given you spiritual gifts. Secondly, God is shaping your heart. And what do we mean when we talk about our hearts? We're talking about your character. I'm talking about your character and your convictions. What is it that God is leading you to do? How is it that God, what convictions has he put on your heart? And, and how has he made you to be at your, as your, in your innermost being? Who has God created you to be? He's shaping your heart to serve. When you look at the letter A, I'm referring to your abilities. And what we're talking about, this is different than your spiritual gifts given to you by God. Yes, God gives us spiritual gifts through His Holy Spirit upon salvation, upon conversion. But yet He also blesses us with talents and strengths and abilities. Whatever it may be, you may be a great organizer. You may be great with numbers. You may be athletic, you may be musical. There's so many different abilities that each one of you have that I don't have, and I'm so thankful for that because they're from God, and they're meant to be used for God and to serve others. God has given us and shaped our personalities, right? Thinking about how God has wired us each uniquely. God has also given us experiences, Right? He's allowed us to go through different things and different seasons of life and, and uh, di different circumstances. I know, right? They vary our victories, our accomplishments, but it also includes our faults and our failures, our hurts and our, and our hang-ups. All of those things God has used in our lives to shape us and to mold us and to give us tools and to, uh, to serve others, to help make disciples to help accomplish his purpose and his plan. You see, look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I want you to know this, dear church. Anything that you've been given in this life, anything good that you have, and all these things that I'm talking about here, as, as God is, knowing that God has shaped us, and equipped us to serve him, it's all God's grace. What is God's grace? It's his divine blessing given to us that we don't deserve. Anything good in this life, anything that you've been given, anything that you think you've uh, earned in this life, it's all from God. 
And it's all His. And we need to understand that. When you look at this passage, right? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards. What is a steward? It's a manager. We are simply but managers of what God has given us. And so we are called to be faithful managers of all, everything that God has given us. That especially includes your whole life. We are to be faithful stewards of God's grace in all kinds of different ways. Brothers and sisters, you are called to use all that God has given you to serve Him by serving others. So if you think about it then, if we were created to serve, then we, I'm thankful that we have a perfect example. Our perfect example of a servant, of, of one who, who devoted their lives to serving, is none other than our Savior, our Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our King. And so this morning, I wanted to share with you, I don't have time to share all the ways, and there's no way I could possibly share every way, but just three ways that we can serve like Jesus Christ. And so if we want to learn to serve like Jesus Christ our Lord, who didn't come to be served, but to serve, even unto death on the cross. And the first way that we can learn to serve like Jesus is this. We can serve like Jesus when we learn to be available. We can learn to serve like Jesus by choosing to be available. What does being available mean? It means to be willing to be interrupted. It means to be willing to sacrifice for the benefit of other people. Right? We know that serving is not always convenient. Serving is not always pleasant. Serving is not always safe. Serving is not always comfortable. But yet that's exactly what Jesus did. Ultimately when he died on that cross. Look at Matthew. What Matthew writes in chapter 20 Verse 30 through 32. And what he tells us about Jesus here. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. And do you know what they're asking for? They're asking to be healed, to be given sight. And Jesus healed them. Jesus gave sight to those blind men. But the thing that we notice here, one thing to notice here, not just that people were shouting at Jesus, but Jesus stopped. And he had compassion on those men. He, he, he showed them love and he served them ultimately by healing them. Jesus was available. Proverbs, right? The book of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Now what does that mean? Well, if you are able and capable of helping someone in need, 
do it. Don't say, well, let me wait on that. Even though I have what you need and I'm able to help, um, come and talk to me later. John Wesley, he's quoted uh, and, and said to have this motto in life. And I want to share this with you. John Wesley, he said, do all the good that, do all the good you can by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. When I read that, that's what I call being available. And yet when you think about it, it's, it's a simple word. And, and you say, Pastor Steve, I know what it means to be available. And I don't doubt that you know. But I know also that it's hard for us to make ourselves available. It's hard for us to follow the example of Jesus Christ, right? To live a life of servanthood. To always be willing to sacrifice for the benefit of others. None of us do it perfectly. And I would venture to say that for the most part we all fail to live up to Jesus' perfect example. And so I know there's barriers. And I want to share, there's, there's three barriers that, that come to mind when I think about making myself and choosing to be available. And there are these things, self-centeredness, perfectionism, and materialism. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, right? Again, a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Oftentimes, a barrier to being, making ourselves available is our own self-centeredness. Now, I'm not calling you all self-centered. But I, also, I confess that oftentimes I am self-centered. See, God tells us, don't do anything out of selfish, selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You see, what helps us overcome our self-centeredness is when we first surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Him as our Savior and confess Him as our Lord. You see, when we, when we dig into His Word and we, we, we make it, have a desire and make it a priority to live, and follow, live out His Word and follow His example and, and to, to depend and to pray and ask God, God, change me and make me more like You. Help me, Holy Spirit, Conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. Help me to be available. That's when you will be able to overcome your self-centeredness in this life. Day by day. Yes, some of us struggle with perfectionism. How many of you have ever, have ever been prevented from starting something because you realized that you couldn't do it perfectly or up to the standard that you wanted to? called perfectionism. And perfectionism can be a good thing if it leads us to strive for excellence and to do our best. 
and to give our best to the Lord. But see, when we look to God's word in Ecclesiastes 11, chapter 11, verse 4, it says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Now, you might be thinking when you hear that passage, oh, Pastor Steve, that just sounds like someone who's aware of the conditions, and if it's not right and not able to, to uh, if you're not able to plant and, and harvest because of the conditions, then obviously it, it's, it's wise not to do it at that time or to wait, but, but that's not what this passage is saying. It says God is, is showing us that if all we do is focus on all the circumstances and all the things that may be not going right, then obviously we're going to be paralyzed and we will do nothing. If you keep waiting for perfect conditions, then we are never going to get anything done. We are never going to trust God and take a step forward in faith if we're waiting for everything to be exactly how we think it should be. Materialism, right? prioritizing and valuing above all else the things of this world. Money, it could be money, it could be whatever, anything of this world. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 13, or just listen as I read it to you. Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Brothers and sisters, dear Dear friends, this is a fact. You cannot serve God and serve the world. You cannot serve God and serve money. You have to, we have to choose. We have to prioritize. And my encouragement to you is that you would choose to serve God, that you would lead your family to, number one, above all else, serve God, the one and only true living God. That Jesus Christ would be your one and only Lord. And what does it mean if someone is our Lord, if someone is our master, if we are a disciple of Jesus? It means that we look to our master and follow exactly what he does. We can't do this by ourselves, right? We can't serve like Jesus. We can't follow Jesus perfectly. And that's why Christianity is not about a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is about a relationship with God and following Jesus. It's about the work that He's done for us and that He's doing in us and around us. That's why our hope is in Jesus and not in ourselves. How do you overcome materialism? You remember, you've got to remember that everything is God's, it's all His. Everything that we have, and I shared it with you before, it's not yours. It's God's. It's by His grace that you, you have a job and that you have the things that you have, that you have a life, that you have breath in your lungs and can wake up and come to this Northwest Chinese Baptist Church building and worship together. It's because of God's grace. So remember that it's all His, that it's God that he has given us these things. And I, I challenge you, if you want to overcome materialism, Choose to give of your first and to give of your best. And commit to using whatever it is that you have to serve God. You may not know what that means. You may not know what that's going to look like. 
But to have that attitude, to have that priority, and to teach that to your, your children, and to encourage one another with that, and to ask for people to pray for you, your brothers and sisters, Deacon Larry, pray for me, that I'd be able to put God first, that I would be able to use everything that I have to serve the Lord. Would you pray for me? The second way that we can serve like Jesus is to learn to be grateful, to choose to be grateful, right? Number one, be available. Secondly, choose to be grateful. Being grateful means that we're thankful. And I I urge you and I encourage you to be thankful for the opportunity that God gives us to serve and to be thankful for how Jesus Christ has served us. Be grateful. How many of us struggle with grumbling? Another word for that is complaining. Raise my hand. Be grateful. John chapter 11, verses 41 through 42. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I knew that you always hear me, But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And this passage comes from when Jesus healed and resurrected his his friend, Lazarus. But when they took away the stone, then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you. Jesus was grateful. Jesus was thankful to his Father. Thankful to God. 2 Timothy, Paul writes to his younger brother in the faith, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, or verse 8 and 9. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. The Apostle Paul, right, he is persecuted for his faith and his desire to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. He's thrown in prison, and yet when he's writing this letter to his younger brother in the faith, is he writing, Timothy, you better make sure you stay safe. You better make sure, Timothy, that you stay comfortable. Don't get thrown in jail like me. No, what does he say? Join with me. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us. God has saved us. Jesus has saved us. Jesus has called us to a holy life, a life set apart for him and him alone. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of his own purpose and grace, because this is God's plan, this is God's purpose, this is God's will for you and for me. This was grace, God's grace given to us through Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Are you grateful today, brother and sister? You know, what are some barriers to gratitude? What are some barriers? Comparing? criticizing, and wrong motives. What do I mean by comparing? What does it mean to compare? It means focusing on what other people have instead of recognizing how God has blessed you. 
focusing so much on what other people have and what you don't have instead of recognizing how God has blessed you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Paul is referring to, to false teachers here who boast about, about their teachings and accomplishments. So he says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So what is Paul saying? He says, it's not that we don't boast. We do boast. But what does Paul boast about? He boasts about Jesus Christ crucified. He boasts about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God had called and assigned him to proclaim to the world so that some might be saved. Paul boasts in Jesus. We need to stop comparing ourselves. And that's one of the temptations and struggles with social media Dear friend, dear brother and sister, that's one of the struggles and the temptation of social media, my younger brothers and sisters, is that oftentimes when we see that post that that person and that person put on the internet, we don't realize what's really going on in their lives, and yet we, we don't understand the fact or we forget the fact that people are oftentimes are just putting their best picture on the internet for you to see and have a perception about what's really going on in their lives. And so then we're tempted to compare. Oh, I wish my life was like that guy. I wish my life was like that picture. I wish I could eat what that person just posted. I wish I could cook like that or sing like that or dance like that. Man, that's cool because they have millions of views. I wish I could be like that. Well, see, when we compare ourselves with other people, we forget and we lose sight of how God has blessed us. You forget about the truth and that God has created you uniquely to do things that only you can do. You forget about how he saved you and how he loves you because you're so worried about, oh man, I only got two likes on my post. Only five people have viewed what I put on the internet. I'm a failure. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. You're far from that. In Christ. You've been forgiven. You've been given new life. You're an heir with Jesus. What are some barriers? What's the cure for comparison? Well, I want to share with you. I want to encourage you, dear brother and sister, if you struggle with comparing yourself to others, I, I encourage you to, to stop, to choose to stop comparing yourself and focusing on everything else that everyone else is doing and instead to cap, be captivated by God. Focus in on God and who He is. Look to His Word. Captivate yourself with God. Immerse yourself into who He is and learning about His love for you and His plan for you, His purpose with you, found in His Word. That'll help cure your desire and temptation to compare your life with someone else. Be captivated by God. The second barrier to gratitude is criticizing. Right? What is criticizing it? It's pointing the finger at the faults of others instead of lending a hand. 
putting others down instead of picking them up. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Stop comparing yourself. Stop criticizing others. Instead, measure yourself with God's word. Measure yourself with God's standard. Measure yourself in how you are obedient to his commands. Measure yourself by the grace of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus is doing for you. Yes, compared to Jesus, we have all failed. We all fall short compared to God. We all have sinned and fall short of his glory. And we all deserve to die. We all deserve to go to hell. Yet the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? The cure for criticism is to focus in on what God has done. It's to see and to choose to look at people how God sees them. And when we look at and seek to ask God, help me to see my brother, my sister, help me to see that person who maybe is not a, a member of my church family. Help me to see them as you see them, God. And when, we, when that's our prayer, God will answer that prayer. And there's things that you can do. You can refuse to gossip. You can refuse to slander people or to speak negatively about one another. You can choose to think the best about other people and seize opportunities to encourage them rather than knock them down. You can choose to be a peacemaker, not a fire starter, not a fight starter. You can choose to offer grace. You can choose to forgive, just like Jesus has forgiven us. The third barrier to gratitude, right? Wrong, motive, wrong motives. Wrong motivations. If you think about motivations, where do they come from? They come from our hearts. They come from whoever has control of our hearts. Because I want to share you this as, a, as one of the things I'm so thankful for is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a new being. And yet I also know and I'm thankful for the fact that I have the Holy Spirit of God in me, changing me from the inside out. Yes, I've been changed upon salvation, upon being converted from a sinner to a saint because of what Jesus has done for me. But we also talked about God's sanctifying work in us, the Holy Spirit, right? There's this ongoing work that he is making us more and more like Jesus Christ. And so I'm sharing this with you and reminding you of this fact because there's hope for me to overcome the wrong thinking in my mind. There's hope that God has changed my heart and is changing and molding it to be more like his. But we need to understand that if we want our motives and our thoughts and our actions and our words to change, we first need to go to the one who can change those things. That's Jesus Christ alone. And if you want to maybe get a, a gauge of, of, of where your motivations are or, or how you're doing with your actions and your words, well, think about how is it, what is it that consumes your thoughts? How is it that you have used your words lately? 
And what have you spent your energy and effort investing in? That will give you a gauge of, of kind of where you are and what motivates you in this life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And see, I share this passage with you because this is an example of, of wrong motives. You know, for there are some that Matthew is referring to who just did good deeds to be recognized. And yet, God is teaching us that they got it all wrong. There's no reward for that. Remember, it's, it's, God doesn't look at the outside. What does God look at? He looks at the heart. How do we right our wrong motives? We need to choose and prioritize conforming our thoughts, our words, and actions to the words of God. The last way, the last way, the third way that we can serve like Jesus is this. We can choose to be faithful, choose to be available, choose to be grateful, and choose to be faithful. Now, it's easy to say, I'm faithful. It's hard to do it. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to follow through. It means to endure. It means to not give up. It means to be a person of integrity. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. Keep going. Don't give up. You know, I want to just end with this last passage of scripture I want to share with you. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. Brothers and sisters, if we want to learn to, to serve like Jesus, then we need to, to ask God to help us to be faithful. You see, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, there's this parable being told and the story of a master and his servants and, and, and what they've done with what they've been given and see, in verse 21, we read this. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And, and what is Jesus teaching us here? He's teaching us about his kingdom. He's teaching us about what the kingdom of God is like, what it means to be a part of God's family what it means to be a good steward, what it means that His grace has been poured out upon you and how you are to use what He's given you. It's a call to be faithful, to be faithful stewards, right? To be faithful managers of all that God has given us. This is a, a reality for you and for me, dear brother and sister. I pray that as, we, as I share these things with you and as we look at God's Word, that we would not be squashed but then we would be convicted. And it's okay sometimes to feel guilty because in our sin, if we have sinned against God or if we are sinning against God, then we need to experience the guilt of doing what is in opposition to God. But we don't stay in that guilt and that shame. We go to God 
we repent from our sin, we turn from our sin, we turn to God, and we choose to live in righteousness. We choose to follow Jesus and do what He says. Choose to be faithful. Brother and sister, you were created to serve God by serving people. And I want to ask you this morning, how is it that you are being a steward of everything that God has given you? How is it that you are serving? Remember, you can say, Pastor Steve, I'm doing all kinds of good things. You don't know the good things that I'm doing. I said, you're right. I don't know everything that you're doing. But I want to ask you, are you serving as God has called you to serve? Because God calls us to serve and use whatever it is that we've been given, not only to serve those who are lost and those who are in need outside the church, but God has also called us to serve one another as brothers and sisters in the church. How are we serving all the people that God has brought into our lives? Will you be faithful? Will you allow Jesus to teach you to serve like him? Will you allow Jesus to lead you in a life of ministry that people may be saved and that God would be glorified? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you and God, I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that in you we find our purpose because it's you are the one that has created us. I thank you, God, for your word. And God, I pray for that person that's here this morning who has not yet confessed Jesus as Lord, who has not made you, God, the God of their life, the Lord of their life, and chosen to follow you. And God, I pray that if there's someone here right now that after studying your word this morning, they recognize that they are a sinner. And God, I pray, and they recognize their need for Jesus, for you, God, to save them. And they have a desire to follow you. And God, I pray that they would, if there's someone here that has that desire to confess Jesus as Lord today, that they would just pray right now between you and them, God, that they would say, Jesus, God, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I know the penalty for my sin is death. Separation from you, God. And, and I pray, God, I thank you for Jesus who loved me and died for me on the cross. I thank you, God, that Jesus, your son, died for me and went to the tomb, went to the grave, and he rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven of my sins, so that my relationship with you could be made right. And God, I confess Jesus as my Lord. I want to follow you all the way to heaven. God, I pray that someone who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and wants to, that they prayed that prayer right now. And God, I also pray for my brother and sister in Christ. As, as we've talked and been reminded about, God, your purpose for us to serve you, to serve others, to serve people outside the church, and to serve our brothers and sisters in the church body. I pray, God, that you would help us to be faithful, that you would help us to make ourselves available, to be, help, our, help us to be grateful, and help us, God, to be faithful, to faithfully follow you, to faithfully serve, to gratefully and cheerfully serve. And to now, God, make ourselves available or to continue to make ourselves available for your glory, for your kingdom, in accordance to your word and your will. God, would you lead us and show us what the next step for us is to take? God, what is it that you're leading us to do? And maybe, God, uh, that could be so many things. But, God, I pray that today uh, we would take that first step and acknowledge it and that we would choose to, to follow you and to trust you. God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
I want to invite you to stand, dear friend, dear brother and sister. Uh, this is a time for us to, to praise God through a song, but also a time for you to respond to God. And I pray that if any of you have made any type of decision, yeah, children, come in, come sit down. If any of you have made a decision and want to share with me, I encourage you to come while we sing. I'd love to encourage you and pray with you while we sing this song. Would you come? If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.